Scripture reading today is going to be in the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. While you're turning there, uh, you guys got to see the, the whole video of what youth group's been up to. It has been so much fun. Uh, I really hope if you have youth or if you are youth that you're able to make it out as we're going to keep doing stuff like that because if it ain't fun, I don't want to do it either. So <laughs> so come on out. Tonight uh, is another one of our mission nights. We're going to be baking cookies. Um, the, the church has been doing a fantastic ministry where we take meals to uh, some of our senior saints in the church. Uh, some of those who can't make it out of their house as often as they might want to. So we're baking cookies for those meals. So we get to be a part of that ministry. Uh, so if you can make it out tonight, come on out. We're going to have a whole lot of fun doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, also on the 13th, which is two Saturdays from now, the 13th we're going to be having a movie night for the youth. Dinner will be served. We're going to have popcorn, a few other refreshments and stuff because it's a movie night. Uh, we're going to be watching the movie I Still Believe, which is a biopic on Jeremy Camp. Um, Jeremy Camp, he's a singer guy, does music and stuff like that. Uh, so come on out for that two Saturdays from now. Yeah, <laughs> if that makes any sense to you. I hope it does kind of make sense to me, so I think it's hitting somewhere else. Um, anything else? And so we meet every Sunday night, 6.15, okay? So youth, come on out. Uh, young adults, we are still meeting, 6.30 every Tuesdays. Uh, so if you are fresh out of high school, not quite to where you think you're too old for this kind of stuff, come on out. Uh, we're doing Bible study on 6.30 on Tuesday nights. We'd love to have you as well. Uh, so let's get into our scripture reading today. Book of Revelation, chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. Correct and I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this day you've given us. We thank you for this opportunity to come and gather, uh, learn from your word. Uh, Lord, I, I ask that you would bless this service today, bless this communion service, help us to remember you. Lord, I pray for Pastor Doug as he comes. Uh, bless the words coming from his mouth that they may reach our hearts that they may enrich us and that we may take them forward this week uh, and learn from them, Lord, apply them to our lives. Lord, we pray for this week, uh, for this country, 
Lord, I pray for this time of, of prayer and fasting coming up on Tuesday. Uh, Lord, help it, help it to guide our hearts. And Lord, I, I pray for this country for this whole week and for the rest of this year and for these next four years. I ask that your will would be done in every corner. And Lord, I pray for the churches uh, in, this, in this country as well, that we would continue to uphold your truth and your love, and we would live them out in our lives. Ask and pray all these things in your name. Amen. The city of Baltimore is known or considered to be the capital of duck pin bowling. Duck pin bowling has smaller balls. They only weigh about four pounds, a little bit less than four pounds. The pins are not 18 inches tall. They're only nine inches tall. Very rare for anybody to be able to to bowl a perfect game in duck bill, duck pin bowling because of the situation of the pins and the balls. In the early stages of duck pin bowling, machinery, the technology of the machinery wasn't as good as it is now. Back then, they had to have an individual who would be at the end of each lane and he would watch as the machines came down and were supposed to sweep away the pins that were knocked down and leave the ones that were not, and then retrieve the ball. Once in a while, those didn't work that well, and so the individual had to go from lane to lane to lane and pick up the pins that were supposed to be up and get rid of the pins that were not supposed to be up. You weren't able to see his face at all. All you saw was his feet as he would go from lane to lane to lane and then back and forth, obviously trying to dodge the balls that individuals got it in their minds that they tried to break his ankles. There's someone that works in our lives every day that we never see his face. But we see his presence. We started last week looking at Ezekiel chapter 37, and that's where we'll be for the most part, even this morning. We're focusing in on what the the vision that God gave to Ezekiel as he visited a valley that was full of dry, dead bones. And there's a couple of questions that arise as we viewed that last week and as we take a look at it this week, the the number one question that arises is this, is how did they get like that? How is it that these bones were gathered that much in such a massive area with no life? What happened? What caused these particular bones to be that brittle and that dry? that there was no life in them. And God tells Ezekiel why. I trust I've sparked your interest a little bit, but if you just turn one page back to chapter 36 and verses 18 and 19, 
you will find out the reason for the condition. Ezekiel 36, verses 18 and 19. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood that they had shed in the land and for their idols which they have had that had defiled it. Innocent blood and idol worship is what caused this particular situation to be apparent to Ezekiel. That naturally leads us to a question for us today. And the question is something like this. When you or I experience a dryness in our lives, now I'm not talking about occasional dryness, I'm talking about a situation where a dryness, you wake up in the morning to dryness spiritually. A dryness that seems to consume you for days, for weeks, for months, and yes, maybe even for years. A dryness that you begin to ask yourself, does God really matter? Does does God really care about our situations? And the question is, is what causes that in our lives? What is it that brings us to the point that we find out what really is the actual problem? What do we look at? I want to state something emphatically for you, and maybe in some way even forcefully for you. And it's like this. If dryness is your normal spiritual state, then there's something wrong in your life. We all have dry moments, but if you're ongoingly dry, if you're perpetually looking for something or for the next thing to give you a reason to laugh and to maybe even dance, then the problem is, There's something spiritually wrong. In Ezekiel's situation, when God brought him to these dry bones, God was about to do something great, but he wanted to get Ezekiel's attention by at least stating the problem. And the problem, as we've already seen, is the fact that They have shed innocent blood, and they worship idols. Can I just take us a few moments? I do not equate the United States at all with the particular situation of Ezekiel. But as I was studying this passage, I couldn't help but stop a little bit at chapter 36 and verse 18 and consider this. Are we that dry as a nation because of God's judgment upon us of the innocent blood that we have shed and the idols that we worship? 
Dear people, if there's only one issue that should get your attention on Tuesday, it should be the issue of life. Generations have been destroyed. Even from the point now that what's coming could be that shattering that it affects the whole world. To where children could be needlessly killed even after they take their first breath of life out of the mother's womb. There is a particular party that favors that legislation. And they're vying for that position with power to make that happen. Have we become that dry as a nation that our bones are going to be stacked up in a valley? Even more personally, and I say this with all candor and respect to all of you, but have we become that dry as a church that our bones will be stacked in a valley of no life? If, if for just one moment, if I could get your attention to focus on the importance and also the power of what it is that God wants to do. I would hope that this morning I could capture your thoughts on the issue of this. Is what idols are you worshiping? But even more importantly, as God is speaking to Ezekiel in this book that he has penned for us a number of times, you can begin at the very beginning, and it's not far between, before you get to chapter 6 and verse 9, and then you get to chapter 18 and verse 4, and then chapter 20, that you find out that even while they were still in Judah, they were performing their rituals of worship, but God allowed Ezekiel to see behind the scenes because it was in there that they were also worshiping false gods and even offering their own children to those gods. We as a nation have been offering our children to gods the gods of inconvenience, the God of fame and power, the God of embarrassment, the God of money. And I'm wondering, just wondering, how long it will be before our nation will be nothing more than a valley of dry, dead bones. And oh, by the way, in case you have not been following the platforms that are presented to us, 
if one of the platforms becomes a reality, churches are going to be shut down. We won't be able to meet again. But I ask myself the question, what did we expect? As a nation, what did we expect? What did the nation of Israel expect? They thought that they were, and rightly so, the Scripture says that they are the chosen ones of God. Not based upon anything that they have done, but based upon the fact that God wanted to take the smallest nation and make them the most powerful. And they begin to play. In fact, even God said to Ezekiel in chapter 20, even when I brought them out of Egypt, they still chased after their idols. The problem is, is that we don't take too much introspection of our lives. The story is told that a married couple drove into a gas station and the driver, as he rolled down his window, he asked the attendant there if he wouldn't mind washing the windshield. And so while as the gas was filling up, he meticulously washed the windshield and came to the window, the driver's side window, expecting to be paid. And what he was faced with is consternation because the driver said, I thought I told you to clean the windshield. And the attendant said, sir, but I did, but I'll be happy to do it again. And so he went and cleaned it again, which even made the driver even more angered. And the driver said, why is it that you can't clean that windshield? And as he is scolding the attendant, his wife said, honey. And as he turned and looked at her and leaned, she wonderfully and graciously reached up and grabbed his glasses. And took a tissue and wiped them off and then put them back on, and he discovered that windshield was clean. It depends on what glasses you're looking at when it comes to introspection of our lives. The church at Laodicea that Pastor Steve read about, they proclaimed that they were okay. We're rich, We have no needs. We're healthy. We've got everything that we need. They were looking at their condition through their eyes. But Jesus had a problem. He had a message for them. And he said, but you are poor, miserable, pitiful, and even naked. It's a difference when you look through our lives through the sunglasses, S-O-N glasses, that are given to us in the Scriptures. Ezekiel was faced with that. Ezekiel came face to face with the stark reality that the nation of Israel 
as they even said in chapter 37 and verse 11, that we are without hope. Yet Ezekiel know that there still was hope in Jesus Christ. And God was about to do something big. I think God's about to do something big on Tuesday. This may, not, this may be edited from YouTube, by the way. We've had portions of our service that has been edited by YouTube. They don't make it. Specifically, when we pledged the allegiance back on Memorial Day, that was removed from YouTube. This, what I'm about to say, may remove from YouTube. I want Donald Trump to be president. I don't know if you're convinced of that. I even want the House and the Senate to be controlled by individuals. I, I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. I want them righteous. I want them thinking about who God is and what he would have for them. I don't even mind telling you who I'm voting for. It's not anybody that's got a D after their name. I don't, I don't vote for personalities. I vote for, for platforms. What are they standing on? How does it match the Word of God? I think that particular question became stark to my wife and I. When at the time that our first child was to come, we had a doctor, and this is back in 1974. Our first child was about to be born, and the doctor looked at us, and her first words were this, do you desire to keep it? Why wouldn't we? She was the same doctor that delivered four of our Verse 6, and she never asked us that question again. Of course, we're going to keep the child. Why wouldn't we? I'm sorry to say that Israel didn't do that. I'm sorry to say that the United States doesn't do that. And I'm wondering what God is going to have in store for us, but I believe it's going to be great. I hope President Trump wins in a landslide. I hope it is so decisive that nobody, even the mainstream media, here I go, even though the mainstream media aren't going to be able to cover it up. I want it so big I want it so powerful that Miss Pelosi <laughs> that Miss Warren that AOC and CBS and NBC and ABC they got nothing to say 
Now I've got to get back to the Word. But we've been too long as a nation, maybe even as a church, maybe even as individuals. Because there's three things that happen when we walk away from God. You see, disobedience produces distance. And distance produces dryness. Jesus said in His Word in John chapter 15 when He said, you love me if you keep my commandments. Disobedience produces distance, which produces dryness. Pluto is the ninth planet in our solar system. It's the furthest one away, and it's always cold. There is never a day that it is not because it is furthest away from the sun. Mercury, on the other hand, is hot all the time. There's never a day that it isn't hot because it's closest to the sun. That tells me in that illustration that the further you stay away from the sun, S-O-N, the drier you become. The closer you get to him, the hotter you become. Not many of us live on Pluto. There are some that do. There are some believer people who don't mind having a distance from God. They don't mind being in orbit. They just don't want to be close. Then there's those that are Mercury saints. They're the ones that walk in the room and all of a sudden the temperature of the room goes up about 20 degrees because they are jacked up for Jesus, let me tell you. And we look at them and we say, what is wrong with you? Are you that crazy? No, but most of us live on earth. We have hot days. We have cold days. We vacillate between the two. But when you begin to desire more coldness, that's when you become the driest. Because we've forgotten what it is to obey. Disobedience creates distance, which ultimately leads to dryness. from a nation that has been declared to be one nation under God. Now we become one nation under many gods, depending on your flavor or what's good for you. Laodicea was like that. They had it all happening. They had it all going on. They didn't think they needed anything, but God took his stethoscope and put it on their heart, and he said, there's one thing you're lacking, and that's obedience. God tells the church at Laodicea, 
because I love you, I'm giving you straight up what you need to do. You need to repent. I'm glad that God loves us that much that He brings us to places that He wants us to repent. To awaken us to what really is drying us out. What idols do we hold? What is it that we have a difficult time in believing about God and what He wants? Are we more comfortable in being away from Jesus than being close to Him? That happened to Israel. And it may very well happen to us. I don't know exactly what it is that you all are struggling with. I don't know what it is that you need to do to get close to Jesus. And in some ways, you can know by asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you those things that need to go. You see, we can be like a married couple that goes to Niagara Falls. Usually go there for either vacation or for honeymoon. And as you're in your hotel room, most of the hotels you can hear and you can even maybe catch a glimpse of the falls without even leaving your room. Then there's places that you can go to and stand in the park and frequently you will feel the mist as the wind blows it on you. You're still not there, but you can sense the, the effects of it and you can say, wow, how powerful that must be. But if you really want to experience Niagara Falls, you take a ride on the Maid of the Mist. See, the Maid of the Mist is a tugboat, a number of them, that the first thing you get when you walk on there is some clammy raincoat. It's already wet inside, and you've got to put it on to keep you dry. Now, how does that happen? And then you want to kind of wonder what Joe had this coat on before you got it. But anyway, you put it on and then that boat takes off and you're heading for one place and that's the bottom of the falls and you're going to get wet. We can stay as hotel Christians and only hear and only see from afar the wonder and glory of Jesus Christ. Or we can go to a park and feel the effects a little bit, and we may be enraptured by that. But if you really want to bring about change, if you really want to go from being dry to being alive, then you got to get close to the falls and the one who made it and the one who declares that I love you.
And that, my dear people, is changes us from being dry and dead to being alive and dancing. The love of our Savior. This morning we get to do something that we have not been able to do for quite a while. I trust you've got your your little Keurig, Keurig pack. The scriptures are clear that writes for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Yes, there are instructions for you to follow. You rip the cellophane off first. Now, if any of you spill on the, on the carpet, are you making your wife open yours up, brother? Really didn't think this was going to be difficult. Are you set now, brother? You got it started? You're good, okay. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have broken the thought, but I can't help it any time I get an opportunity to jump on Chad. It's take you, take it. The same night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said to his disciples, this cup is the blood of my new covenant. Do this. Partake of this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He come. But let a man examine himself. That he not take the elements unworthily. Jesus went on to say that there have been some who have done that. And they have not lived to see the next day. It's a humbling experience. I've missed this. I've missed taking it with you. I've missed being able to say the significance of our Savior. That He willingly died for us. He willingly shed His blood so that our sins can be washed away. And he did it because he loves us. I know, Miss Bev, you, you came to the organ, but I've got another song that we're going to have during the taking of the elements. In fact, we'll close the service off with this song. I found this unbelievable song that I just thought maybe today would set the tone. The song is entitled, There is a King. 
It's that powerful. I'm not going to have you stop in between taking the wafer that is on top and then taking of the juice that follows. But as you're doing that, I want you to listen to this song. There is a king. Before that, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for sending your son to die for us. I thank you for giving to us the Holy Spirit, whereby even this morning we again are taken back in history to a time when none of us were there. We weren't there personally, but we were there in your mind and in your thought. Because you so loved us that you gave your only begotten Son. The life he lived and the blood that he shed was that demonstration of how much you love us. Because you demonstrated your own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this morning, as we partake of these elements, as we listen to this wonderful song, There is a King, I pray, O oh God, that our hearts be lifted in praise to you. For greatly you are worthy to be praised. And I thank you in your name. Amen.